ask you a question, right? What is something that you really hate? Washing the dishes, okay. I hate driving on the streets, all right? I hate, I hate bus drivers, all right? Who is do what they want to do, right? Sorry, no one doubt you about driving it, right? All right, sorry about that, buddy. All right, anyway. How do Jenny's drive, right? That's something you hate. What about things like this? Because this is a big thing that people sometimes say they hate. Pineapple on pizza. That don't go together, right? All right? All right? How many of y'all think that's nasty? Pineapple on pizza. Who think, who think pineapple on pizza is a good thing? All right, all right. See? Those are different things, right? What about, what about when you are trying to get somewhere fast and the person in front of you just is going slow? You know, and you can't overtake. You got to just stay in there. You got to go. Or are you in traffic and you can't go anywhere, right? You see, we need to understand something, right? As we've been looking at this series on Stronger and how things that we go through in life are supposed to make us stronger, one thing we have to understand is this is that all of us in this room, we need other people. There's no one who can survive on their own, all right? There's no one who can say, well, I'm just going to go in a house and live by myself and I'm going to be happy. They can't. There's no way you can be happy. When I say that, you are going somewhere and basically you are cut off from the world. I'm not saying you have your phone, you can do what you want to do. No, you have nothing. You are just by yourself. We need people in our lives. Especially as we call ourselves Christians, we need each other. We need people to be there with us, to walk with us through life. We're designed to gather together as Christians. We're designed to want a relationship with people. Right? We are people who want friends. Who wants friends? Who don't want friends? Why are you all lying? You all are lying here, all right? So you you ain't got no friends, Gobi? No friends? Who ain't got no friends? And when you come, all right, all right, all y'all lie, everyone. But you see, one thing of this, right? I will say this, that we don't want just to have relationships, to have relationships. We should want to have relationships that are going to make us a better person. Someone that's going to encourage us, someone who's not going to put us down all the time. What's the point of having a relationship with someone who's going to put you down or bring you down? There's no relationship. That doesn't make no sense, right? There's no sense of that. There's no point of having a relationship just to have one and just to say, well, you know, I'm with these people. Because that doesn't make sense. We're not going to be happy. We've been looking at it. We looked at it last time. We talked about the life of Joseph and how Joseph, how God redeemed the whole picture of Joseph's life. How at the end of it, when he saw his brothers... It came to the point of saying, hey, you guys may have thought what you did to me was for wrong, but God made it for good. And that's how things are through our lives. When we think of the trials we go through, it is for our good and our benefit. And that doesn't sound right to us as human beings. Because if all of us in this room, if we were honest with ourselves, all of us would say, I don't want to have trials in my life. I want life to be perfect. I want things to go the way I want it to go. But reality is life doesn't go that way. Again, we keep on talking about we're in that stage of life where we're in the post-Dorian era of the Bahamas. 
Things have changed. People have lost everything. Now they're to start life over. Some people who are, who are 50 and 70 years old have to start over life. They don't know what to do. You see, when we consider our line, we consider when we get in trouble and when things don't go our way, we could either make two decisions. We can make a decision to say, well, I'm going to keep on going down this path and I'm going to hate my circumstances and I'm going to do something like this. Or we could say, you know what? I'm going to do the best I can. Paul understood this. Paul understood the whole point of community where we need people in our lives. And Romans 5, 2 and 5, this is what it says. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Through him, who is him? God, a relationship with Christ. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Hold on. Who wants to suffer in this room? No one. No one wants to suffer, right? But it says to rejoice in sufferings. To be happy about sufferings. Wow. That doesn't sound right to us. Because in our minds, we don't want to suffer. We want the best life. And you know what's so sad about all this? Is that we have Christian authors today that talk about your best life now. But when you come to know Jesus Christ, yes, you have hope, you have joy, you have all these things, but guess what? Suffering is going to come. And we must remember that suffering is going to come. And when suffering comes, we have to say, you know what? I'm suffering because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you one thing. It's easy to live in the world. It's easy to follow the pattern of the world. It's easy to do what everyone else is doing. But when you take that stand for Jesus Christ and say, I'm not going to do what they are doing, suffering is going to come. Problems are going to come. So the question may be tonight is this, well, why would I want a relationship with Jesus Christ if suffering is going to come? But I can tell you one thing. When I look at my life, if I didn't have Jesus Christ, I would have no hope. I know my sufferings are temporary. Because when Christ comes back or when I die, I have a relationship with Him and I know that I have a hope that I have to look forward to. Verse 4 says this, And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Verse 5, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. What hope do we have? We have a hope in Jesus Christ. We have a hope to know that, hey, we are going through sufferings now, but it's temporary. You know what's going to happen to the person who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? They can suffer for a lifetime. They may not be suffering right now. They may feel like they're ahead in life, but they're going to suffer eternally, not just temporarily. I don't know about you, but I'd rather suffer temporarily. But notice that we're not just suffering for no purpose. We're suffering for the sake of Jesus Christ. That's why we're suffering. For His honor, His glory. You know, and, and that's, so, that's easier said than done, right? Because let's be honest, none of us in this room want to suffer. 
But you know what helps us? Community. People that we can suffer with and people who are there with us who are going through the trials and tribulations with us. Can you imagine if you had to do life on your own and you had no one else to help you and encourage you? Life would be miserable. Life would be a problem. So, what are the Christians supposed to look like? What is the Christian life supposed to look like? How are we supposed to live? Well, Romans 12, 9 gives us a whole set of laws or rules you would say a Christian should live by. First of all, verse 9 says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Let love be what? Genuine. You ever been around someone who ain't genuine? Who's a fake? Or, you know what happens a lot of time in relationships? They love, a boy or a girl love each other for the wrong reasons. And it's not real love. And then problems happen. Let love be genuine. Let it be real. Verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Can you imagine if we did that? If we love one another with brotherly affection or sisterly affection and outdo one another in showing honor, instead of us always putting down each other, but you like money. <laughs> but what's wrong with you? But you're a pong gay. But I mean, come on, but what happened? You dummy, but you stupid, but that's how we talk to people, right? Let's be honest. You be getting off. I understand that, but guess what? Sometimes when people get off, is you know what? It hurts people. Usually, when you get off, what happens? Fight start. <clears throat> you ever notice that that it starts off very small and then all of a sudden it gets big and then a fight starts <laughs> for over petty things verse 11 alright <clears throat> when we think of this right we got to think of loving and we got to think of passion for God right because we may not know what slothful means but do not be slothful in zeal do not let your passion just be a little small thing. Be passionate about God. Be fervent in the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Be ready to give passion to the Lord. Let the Spirit be in you. Let it be seen by you. Let me ask a question. You ever met someone who's passionate about something? Huh? Some of y'all are very passionate about 2K or basketball, whatever it is, right? And you will do anything in your life for it. Right? What if we were like that for Christ as a Christian? If we would do anything for Christ, no matter what. If I had to ask you tonight, how many of y'all are Christian? I'm sure hands would go up. But let me ask you a question. Where does Christ fit in your life? Is he number one? Or you squeeze him in where you could. Verse 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Again, it talks about tribulation. What is that? Suffering, problems. Be patient. What does it tell you to do? What does it say after that? Be constant in what? Prayer. 
Let me ask you a question. If life was so perfect, would you see a need for God? No, right? If life went the way we want to go every single time, we wouldn't see the need for a relationship with Christ. So we need to understand that it turns us to prayer. Verse 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Verse 14. Let's keep going. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Wow. Hold on. That can't be in the Bible, right? That can't be right. To bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse them. That doesn't sound right in our human minds. There's no way that I can be blessed the people who persecute me or put me down. There's no way, right? That ain't what I'm saying. That's what God's saying. That's what Paul is saying to the church of Rome. Bless those. You know why? Because you know he realizes people are going to come against you. They're going to persecute you. They're going to put you down, especially for Christians. What are you going to do? 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. So we rejoice when people are rejoicing. Weep with those. Come alongside people who are weeping. Verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Live in harmony with one another. Think about that. Live in harmony. What does that mean to live in harmony? Hmm? At peace, right? All right? Live in harmony. Live at peace with one another. Be there for one another. Don't continually put each other down. 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Wow, that's hard for us, right? Because guess what? If you call me a game, I got to call you something back, and we got to keep going back and forth. We got to repay evil for evil. Think about our culture today. Think about what we're going through. All these murders that are happening. You know what most of them are? Retaliation. You did this to my family, I got to come shoot your family. Back and forth. Let me ask a question. Do you think that is it ever going to come to an end? No. It's not. Because you know why? Because we want to outdo one another evil. Think about pranks for a second, right? How many of y'all like pranks? Right? All right? Some of y'all like pranks, right? So listen. All right, we're done now, right? We all know. We've had lock-ins here before, and I remember pranks happening. And you know what's happened? Someone get mad, and then a fight break out because I get toothpaste. Now I get mad, and I won't beat you up. And then it goes back and forth, and no one can get, you know, it goes back and forth, right? Repay evil for evil. It doesn't never end. It doesn't end. Because I'm not going to let you outdo me. Until lead us to step in. Verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Try to live at peace with everyone. Now, notice what it says there. Is that easy to do? What does it say? As it, as it depends on who? You. Listen. Keevan might not like me. I don't know, I don't know what I've done to Keevan. Keevan might just say, I don't like him. I don't, you know, Pastor Nicholas just says, I don't know what's wrong with him. I just don't like him. But you know what that means, what I got to do? If I know he don't like me, I come to him and try to be around him and say, man, what do you think, Keevan? Everything good? Everything all right? You know, everything cool. You know, just, just try my best 
to live at peace with him because I've done nothing that I know of to offend him. But you know what happens, right? I try to be his friend no matter what. But you know what happens to us? We want to do our own thing. We can't live at peace with people. Because you know what? If you don't like me, I ain't going to like you. And I got to talk about you. No, I ain't got no reason. I can do what I want to do when I want to do it. Because that's just what I, how I act. I ain't going to live at peace with him. Verse 19. Again, do not seek evil for evil. Do not seek revenge. Let God take care of it. That's what this is saying. Let him take care of it for you. Let him take care of your enemies. Let me love on you, even though you don't like me. Let's go to verse 20. Verse 20 and 21, last two. To the contrary, listen, this is what he's saying. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Now, you know what the world will tell you? Let him stop. Let him, let him, let him dry through die thirst. But by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Listen. You know how mad that makes someone who really can't stand you and you do something good for them? That makes them mad. Like if I know Nicholas mad at me, and I know you don't like me. And I say, man, look here. I can bring you that two-piece snack from Bamboo anyway, man. Yeah, man. And all y'all know you don't like me. All y'all know you don't like me, right? But I give him that. How do you think I can make him feel? He can be mad that I do it in front of all y'all. But he can still eat that Bamboo shark, though, he want to eat that snack. <coughs> That's why it says, heat burning coals on his head. The last verse we can look at. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is how we are to live our lives together. If we look out for the good of everyone, in a sense of not contrary to our Christian beliefs, but we are convicted by our convictions of what the Spirit is doing in us, we don't give in because someone's smoking, we can smoke with them. No. But we do our best to take a stand for Christ in whatever we do. That's what the Christian life looks like. That's how the Christian is supposed to live. That's what we are supposed to do. I want us to watch a video. And we're going to watch a video. And I want you to... This video is about seven minutes long. I want you to watch this video. And I know some of you may not understand the game of softball. But I want you to watch this video. And I want you to see what's going on here. Because guess what? Even though you may like softball, you will see the point of what the video is trying to teach. And Western Oregon and Central Washington softball played a doubleheader in the Great Northwest Athletic Conference. Postseason berths were on the line and real life just around the corner. For the seniors on that field, there's not a draft or lucrative professional career waiting. One senior in particular arrived with four hits in 34 at-bats this season. What happened in her next plate appearance explains how this Division II softball game overshadowed most all others this past week. Tom Rinaldi reports. There's a hit, man. I, 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 
Gibson swings and a fly ball to deep right field. This is going to be a home run. Unbelievable. A swing and a belt. Left field. Way back. Touch him all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Alongside such unforgettable home runs. The setting for this one was a bit different. In a small town in the middle of Washington State, on a field inside a chain-linked fence, in a game fewer than a hundred people saw. A home run memorable not for the distance it traveled, or the game it decided, but for the meaning it carried. The last Saturday in April, the second game of a softball doubleheader between Central Washington and Western Oregon. Well, we were both neck and neck fighting for the conference championship. As a senior, this was Sarah Tukolsky's last chance to win a championship. She'd never hit a home run before, not in college, not in her life. A 5-2, I'm not very tall. Um, I, I'm more a line drive hitter. I don't hit for power. But in the top of the second inning, with two runners on, on the second pitch, that changed. I hit that pitch and it just went. <laughs> and we're just cheering and the runners are cheering as they round the base to head to home. And then I'm going, where's Sarah? In her excitement, Tukolsky failed to touch first base, so she quickly turned back. Her pivoting like just didn't pivot with her, and I heard her kind of yell, and she just dropped to the ground, and I was like, oh no. Just fell immediately and was in a lot of pain. Just, you know, I tried to keep my legs straight, but I was in so much pain that I couldn't really keep still. Tukolsky, with a torn ACL, crawled back to first base. She was a long way from reaching home plate and keeping her first and only home run. When she got back to first base, she just, she laid there and she hugged on to first base. And then I, at that time, I was staring at the base and I go, what on earth are we going to do? And I turned the umpire standing right next to me. I said, what is the ruling if I put somebody in for Sarah? He said, it'll be a two-run single. If anybody would have on her team would have helped uh, Sarah, she would have been a called, called out. That was the problem. None of Tukolsky's teammates were allowed to touch her. That's when Central Washington's Mallory Holtman, a player with more home runs than any other in conference history, a player for the opposing team, spoke up. I went to the home plate umpire and asked if we could pick her up and carry her, and he looked at me a little strange. And the umpire went and said, yes, you can do that. I'm still standing there in shock. I don't, I said, thank you so much. We asked her, she's like, is it okay if we pick you up and carry you around the bases? And I say, yes, and you know, and say thank you. And she says, you hit the ball over the fence, you deserve it. For that reason only, because she deserved it, Holtman and Wallace began to carry the injured Tukolsky, stopping to touch her left foot on each base as the three made their way around the diamond. We actually started laughing 
because we were just wondering what this would look like to all the people in the stands. When I looked up, I, I didn't see, you know, giant like smiles and screams. I saw emotion and tears and, and people crying. It's a great moment when someone has character to step up and do the right thing at the right time. It's emotional. You're proud. Be associated with those kids. That's the first home run of the season for number eight, Sarah Tikolsky. The fact is, you know, I, I made my goal. I hit a home run, and um, yeah, it's my last at bat of my career, but I, you know, made my goal, so I'm proud of myself. Mallory Holtman, Liz Wallace, and the Central Washington team lost the game that day, 4-2. to two. Sartukalski lost the rest of her season and her career to a knee injury. But for the spirit of sportsmanship, a greater victory made on a long trot around the bases, a trip that truly touched them all. I have a lot of respect for her and put her in high regards, um, her and her teammates. And, you know, I can't thank her enough. Tom Rinaldi reporting. Yesterday, the final day of the season, Western Oregon won its first conference championship in softball in school history, and it will compete in the Division II regional playoffs later this week. One other note, beyond being linked forever by that home run, Sarah, Mallory, and Liz share something else in common. All three players, academic first team in the Great Northwest Athletic Conference. So let me ask you a question, right? What do you think would have happened there? What did happen? You know, we, we've been talking about, you know, as we looked at Romans 12, 9, and we talked about how all these things are the Christian life. What did their actions reflect? Their actions reflected this. They didn't just pretend to care about her. They really cared. They honored her. They practiced joy, hope, patience, hospitality. I don't know if y'all ever played baseball or anything like that, but imagine that. If they all thought about themselves, the other team, they could have said, well, guess what? We could leave on the ground, and she got to manage for herself. That's what probably would have happened in most cases, right? Because I only worry about myself. I want my team to win. But you know what they saw? They refused to see Sarah as part of the other team. They saw her as part of their team what they was doing. They looked at her as a, a girl who needed help. They didn't look out for themselves. You see, every time we see someone fail, either in pain or in failure, we have an opportunity to pick them up and help them finish the game. When we do, we all win together. We all grow stronger together. We all build character together. And we all model hope, joy, and selfless love to the world around us. You see, we need to understand, we know we're designed to do life together. 
You see, when life goes wrong, God gives us each other. That's what's important. Important to know that there are people around you who love you, who care about you. And you know what? What I think is very sad is this. It doesn't have to be someone older. It could be the person sitting right next to you who cares about you, who loves you, who encourages you. And you want me to tell you something about us as guys? It's that we don't like to hear that. We don't want another guy to come alongside us and be, yeah, but I care about you. That just don't sound good. Right? That don't sound right. But you know what? I could guarantee you this. That there's a come a time in life where you wish someone came to you and said, I love you. I care about you. And most of all, I'm there for you. So, I want to challenge you with this as we close. Let's look out for one another. Let's understand when we go to trials, we go to tribulations, that we can look at each other for comfort and care. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. And we thank you again for your love. Thank you for your word that is true. And I pray that you continue to be with us as we uh, go to our small groups and we discuss more about this, Father. We pray that you continue to be with us and be on all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.